This is Power for Living, the Bible teaching ministry of Christ the King Church in Wakefield, Massachusetts. I'm your host, Feliciano Segundo, and our teacher is Father Michael Carl. So get all your Bibles and let's get started. How many of you have ever had to say goodbye? And now I don't mean like at work where you know you're likely going to see those same people tomorrow. I mean the really goodbye. The final goodbye. I actually can completely relate to that. Back in 2013, on Mother's Day Sunday, I had to catch a plane and fly down to Texas to be with my dad. Because my stepmother, and there's a long story behind that too, had called and said, I think you need to come down here. And when I got to the hospital, he was laying there, unable to move. And he asked, what do I need to make sure that I'm really going to go to heaven? And I told him. And he said, oh, good. I've done that. I said, well, that's good, Dad. Then Monday night, two days later, I was sleeping in the bedroom in my stepmother's house. And all night, there was this ceiling fan turning round and round and round and round, making a rhythmic kind of clopping noise. And in that time, I was dreaming that there was a horse with his horseshoes shod, making that clopping sound on a cobblestone street. Behind the horse, he was pulling a horse-drawn hearse. And in the casket in the hearse was my dad. And I dreamed that, and I woke up, and I said, Oh, my Lord, what does that mean? And it came to me fairly quickly that what it meant was he wasn't going to make it. So we, I went to stay with him as often as I could. I even took the Book of Common Prayer and read him the last rites. And he laid there with his eyes closed, and when I got done, I thought, Well, good, he didn't hear me do that. He said, he looked up at me and said, thank you. And a few days later, my sister showed up. And this was in Texarkana, out in the middle of nowhere. And she came to the hospital where I was already. And my dad looked at the two of us standing there together. And he said, I'm so glad I get to see my two children together again. And then that night, at 3 a.m. on Sunday, May 26th, my stepmom came into the bedroom and said, your dad's gone to be with Jesus. I had a really a long two-week goodbye. And the reason this story is relevant is Paul's writing in 2 Timothy today is essentially a goodbye note. Now, you read at this, and you read the first five verses, he goes, I charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is the judge of the living and the dead, and by his appearing in his kingdom, preach the word. And he goes on, and at the end, as for you, always be sober-minded. This is verse five. Endure suffering. Do the work of an evangelist. Fulfill your ministry. Now, there, up to that point, Paul is being pastoral. He's still giving Timothy some commands and advice and instructions on how to be a man of God. 
But in verse 6, he gets personal. And he says, For I am already being poured out as a drink offering, and the time of my departure has come. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. And henceforth there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day, and not only to me, but also to all who long and have longed for his appearing. Now, just as Paul had exhorted Timothy to preach diligently because the spread of false doctrine and wickedness was moving through the church in Ephesus, and sound doctrine, by the way, is important. And I've heard some people say, well, doctrine divides. And I answer them, you bet it does. Sound doctrine divides the sheep from the goats. And Paul is urging Timothy to preach that sound doctrine. And then he tells us the reason for the urgency he feels for this. For I am already being poured out like a drink offering. And the time has come for my departure. This figure of being poured out like a drink offering comes from the Old Testament. The accompanying drink offering is to be a quarter of a hen, about a quart, of fermented drink, and with each lamb, pour out the drink offering to the Lord at the sanctuary. And that's from Numbers 28, verse 7. And he says something similar when he writes to the Philippian church during an earlier imprisonment. See, this is Paul's second time in prison. And that's from Philippians 2, 17. Being poured out offers the image of being extended and expended to the last drop, ready now for the blood sacrifice to follow, because he says, the time has come for my departure. The word for departure means loosening up and carries images of breaking up a camp or loosening a ship from its moorings for departure. It is a euphemism of departure from life and death. Paul senses that for him, the time has come. And Spurgeon writes about that. It is, a, it is beautiful to observe the way Paul describes his death in this verse. According to our translation, he speaks of it as an offering. Now, Paul does not venture to call himself an offering. He says that's Jesus, but he compares himself only to that little wine and oil poured out as a supplement, not necessarily to its perfection, but tolerated in performing a vow or allowed in connection with a free will offering. Now, his head was not quite on the executioner's block just yet, but his heart was already there. He was ready to make that ultimate sacrifice. He considers himself as on the eve of being sacrificed and looks upon his blood as the libation which was poured out on the sacrificial offering. He could not have spoken thus positively had not the sentence of death been already passed upon him. And the time of my departure is, hand, is at hand. Paul felt that he was in the airport and his flight to heaven was ready to depart. And he waited basically for the boarding call. And then he goes on, there is laid up for me. Paul knew there was a crown waiting for him in heaven. And he was ready to receive it. He was certain of it. Now, there are two words for crown in the New Testament. One refers to a royal crown and the other to the victor's crown, which is the 
laurel wreath of olive branches. Here, Paul refers to the victor's crown, the crown that was essentially a trophy, recognizing that one had completed, competed according to the rules and had won the victory. You see, Paul here is saying, my time's up, but I have no regrets. I don't regret anything that has happened. How many of us would love to be in the place where on the day we know the day is coming, we could look back and say, I have no regrets about how I have lived my life. How many of us would like to be able to say that? So that's Paul. As much as he went through, I mean, he was subjected to stoning. He was put in jail two or three times. He caused numerous riots all through his ministry. And he was shipwrecked, floating on a plank of wood in the Mediterranean for a few days, according to what he says. That guy endured more than any of us will probably ever be able to imagine having to endure. But look at it. Here he is. He's telling Timothy, Timothy, my time is up. But I have no regrets because I have lived my life for the glory of the Lord. I have given myself to the greatest cause anyone could ever get, to which anyone could ever give themselves. And I don't regret any of it. So we all need to be in that same position. Serving the Lord faithfully every day so that when the time comes, we won't have to worry about whether putting it colloquially, our elevator will go down or whether it will go up. As we'll know, we're going up. And at one point along the way during these times that I've lost mom or dad, Daniel had the strangest view of death. And he said, it reminds me of the theme song from the Jeffersons. <laughs> and how that relates is we're moving on up to the east side to that deluxe apartment in the sky. I said, son, that's probably the most unusual interpretation of death I've ever heard. But in this case, he was talking about his grandmother, who we also know was on their way up. All right. Now, although his brother would dispute that. Now he goes on to verse 16, at my first defense, no one came to stand by me, but all deserted me. He's feeling like he's been abandoned. And he was. As according to verse 16, the proverbial last straw has come at what was probably Paul's preliminary hearing before his final trial. While Roman law permitted him to call witnesses to testify for him, no one in Rome was willing to defend him. While few deserved more help than Paul did, not even Rome's Christians showed him any sympathy. He even underlined the pain that caused him by saying both, no one came to my support and everyone deserted me. But Paul had a really still positive attitude about this. Look what he says. May it not be charged against them. He wasn't bitter. He wasn't angry. He wasn't depressed that no one came to his defense. He says, eh, 
may it not be charged against him. Because he knew that the Lord had stood by him. The Lord had stood by him through the entire process. And so we look at verses 19 through 22. And I know that's not part of the scripture reading, but Paul says to Timothy, greet those people for me. Erastus means in, in uh, Trophimus. But then somewhere along the way in this, he says, get Mark and bring him with you. For he is profitable to me in my ministry. That's a remarkable thing that he was able to say that because in Acts 15, Paul didn't want to take Mark with him on the next missionary journey. And he and remember Barnabas had a dispute about that. And Barnabas took Mark and went off one direction and Paul took Silas with him. But here he says in his last closing remarks, bring him with me, bring him with you because he's profitable to me in my ministry. There was reconciliation. And folks, that's what we have to remember. Through our faith, through anything we have to go through, if we're standing with the Lord, the Lord will be with us. And if we're really walking with the Lord, we won't carry any bitterness and anger with us to that moment. We will have forgiven the people and been reconciled to them so we can actually go to that deluxe apartment in the sky with no regrets and with a clean heart. And that's what Paul was able to do here. And may we all take his example and follow it because, and this is what we need to be like. We need to be like Paul so that we never have the regrets when the time comes. Amen. Thank you so much for joining us for this week's edition of Power for Living. If you happen to miss any of our other programs, be sure to go to our podcast page at ChristTheKingNorthShore.podbean.com. And you can also visit our website at www.ctknorthshore.org. If this program has been a blessing, feel free to let us know. Write us at Power for Living, care of Christ the King Church, 4 Railroad Avenue, Suite 309 in Wakefield, Massachusetts, 01880. Or you can also send us an email at ChristTheKingNorthShore at gmail.com. You can be a part of this gospel ministry by becoming a patron of Power for Living. You can find out how by clicking the Become a Patron button at the top of our podcast page. That's it for this week, and until next time, remember that Jesus is your Power for Living.